Awesome. Well, it's great to greet you and welcome you. My name's Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here, and we welcome all of you here today and also welcome our live stream guests who join us uh, at this service every week. So it's great to have all of you. Our scripture for today is from Luke chapter 1, and I'll be reading uh, this story about Mary, and then at the end of it, I invite you to say, thanks be to God with me. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I did want to offer just a word of thanks as I get going here. There's been so much uh, going on here at the church as we've sought to, to serve people uh, in our community and, and serve folks who are important to us. So I just wanted to say thanks for the turkey drop a couple of weeks ago, over 300 families in our community who had a great Thanksgiving meal because of your generosity, because you paid for it and because you packed the meals and because you drove them uh, to where they needed to be. So thank you for that. Uh, we also want to give thanks. Every year we uh, do an angel tree for Rutland Elementary. This year the guidance counselors gave us 137 students who needed uh, Christmas gifts and clothes and that, that kind of thing for Christmas. And Pastor Regina was telling me just a couple of days ago that all 137 students are taken care of. So that's awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, you can clap for that. Um, I do want to let you know that just this morning, I mean, just before this service, Regina was telling me that a teacher at Rutland has let us know of, of three more students. And so if that uh, it would connect with your heart this morning, Regina will be back out at the Connect area, and let's just take care of those three kids as well. Uh, we are doing our soldier chi- soldier's child ministry to children whose mother or father died in active service. And so we'll have a party with a bunch of, uh, actually 98 children will be here for a party for that, and you all are providing all the, the Christmas gifts and all those, the things those families need for another uh, 98 children. So thank you. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for believing in the gospel as something that uh, transforms our heart and gives us life secure and life eternal, but then impacts the way that we live as our love for God uh, extends to our love for our actual neighbors. (laughs) So thank you so much. I wanted to let you know if you haven't heard uh, this Christmas, our offering where it will be going every year. Our Christmas offering is our biggest offering of the year, which is super cool. You guys are so generous and we give 100% of it away. Um, and, and just see that as a way of, of sowing seeds into, uh, into the world, into our community. So here's the two places our Christmas offering will go this year. The first is to a community in uh, northern rural Nicaragua called San Martin. In San Martin, there are 278 people, 73 families, who have never had access to clean, safe drinking water. 
So for generations, the women and the girls of the village go to a, a dirty water source, a creek, uh, and carry water in buckets. Um, but this dirty water creates all kinds of, of issues. One is, is that girls never go to school because they're carrying water and they're not uh, educated and don't get to go on to the same careers and, and have uh, those opportunities. Other things, uh, something as simple as, as diarrhea can be a life-threatening illness for a child in Nicaragua. And so it's just really a, a small amount of, of funds can change everything for a community. We've seen this happen a few times. And so our dream for the Christmas offering would be to install a complete water system in that community, which means a well, a, a clean freshwater well dug, uh, water uh, to every house in the, in the village, uh, a spigot in every front yard, latrines at every uh, home, a hand-washing station at the schools. There are actually schools in San Martin and fuel-efficient stoves, and, and so we're just praying for a generous spirit. I'm asking you to consider making a sacrificial gift at one of those six services that can lead us to seeing this uh, come to life. The other part is a dream that we've had in our community for some time. You've heard me talk about a coalition of churches, 40 or 50 churches in Wilson County. We call ourselves Everyone's Wilson, and our dream is in the next 10 years, this is a crazy dream, to see everyone fed, everyone free from addiction, everyone safe from abuse or domestic violence, and everyone ready. And everyone ready means we want to see every 18-year-old who graduates from high school in our community, and we want to see them all graduate, be ready to live into God's dream for their life. So our first initiative is what we're calling Ready, Preparing Students for a Great Future. This is a program that is done in uh, conjunction with the director of schools of the Wilson County School System and following all of their guidelines that will partner every public school in our community with a church or churches, or churches and businesses that say we believe that what's happening here is important, that what's happening on a daily basis is what will impact the future in the greatest way. And so this program will allow for an army of people to be trained, to go into the schools, to tutor kids, to read to students, to make sure that everyone is fed, to make sure the food pantries are full and the backpacks are full, to come alongside families who have addicted parents. All these things that we're talking about intersect in the public schools. And this initiative to start next year in 2020 will take $60,000 just to get it off the ground. That includes hiring a full-time person to be a liaison between churches and schools, um, training, materials, all those kind of things. And we as Providence Church are stepping up to say we will, we will be the ones who will just get this started to step up with that $60,000. Uh, and that will be coming from our Christmas offering. And I am super pumped about it because the dream of this church was to see people who feel disconnected from God and the church connect with Jesus. And that doesn't just mean worshiping for an hour on Sunday morning. It means that God's people are vulnerable and suffering and have places of need and the people of God go there <laughs> representing Christ. And that's not even your sermon for today. That's just, just for, uh, for fun. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I was going to say, and that's just for free, but I just told you how much it was going to cost. So it's not free at all. It's not free at all. I went to public school. I went to Gladeville Elementary, which is a part of the Wilson County school system. When I was in third grade, I was in a split class, which means they had a group of third graders and fourth graders in the same class. They did this in small schools back then. I don't know if they still do. It's like we were the leftover kids, right? And they just put us in this one class together. And that, that's a great thing, but it was a little intimidating for me as a third grader. I wasn't all that sure of myself. And you got all these, these fourth grade boys and it certainly caused me anxiety the day that I uh, walked into Gladeville Elementary with my first pair of glasses 
on. I've told you guys this before. In Mount Juliet at the time, there was one optometrist. He had two options for glasses for kids uh, to go. One pair was the Disney pair, and it had uh, Mickey Mouse right here like on the, on the glasses. That meant immediate death if you wore that into Gladeville <laughs> Elementary. The other pair was this really thick pair of brown plastic glasses, which I chose. So I wore those to school in third grade. On the bus ride over, uh, I was called Four Eyes. And I walked into school, and I sat down at my desk, and my plan was to not talk to anyone or have anyone talk to me for the next three years. <laughs> I was just going to keep my head down. My teacher, her name was Miss Lowe. I adored her. I thought she was the most amazing teacher ever. She opened up our minds and our hearts in ways that I hadn't experienced. And I sat down at my desk with my head down, and I could feel Miss Lowe coming at me. She made a beeline from her desk to mine, and she leaned down and whispered in my ear two words that I remember in my heart 30 years later. And these were the two words. She said, cool glasses. Now, this is a picture of me in third grade with that actual pair of glasses, okay? <laughs> For the time being, just ignore the teeth, okay? Everything, everything worked out in the end there. But Miss Lowe looked at me and said, cool glasses. And so we know now that she was a liar. <laughs> but when she said cool glasses, I believed her. I don't have to explain it. But when she said cool glasses, I figured Miss Lowe knew better than the guy on the bus. I figured Miss Lowe's voice carried more authority than the fourth graders that I had to face on the playground. And I don't know why, but when she said cool glasses, I believed cool glasses. And I don't know how many pairs of brown plastic glasses I have worn over the last 30 years because I believe they are cool. And so I want to ask you, do you believe that the way that you look at yourself can change in one moment? Do you believe that, that the way that you view yourself can change with just one interaction or are you stuck in a place believing the lies, the teasing names that were told to you on the ride over or the ride a long time ago? Are you stuck in a kind of fear-based mentality of I'll keep my head down for as long as it takes so nobody will notice what's really going on with me? If so, I'm really excited to tell you today about Mary. Now today, Mary, that name is one of the most revered names in human history, but it hasn't always been the case just for the last 2,000 years. 2,000 years ago, Mary was just a normal name for a Hebrew girl, for a Jewish girl living in, uh, in, in the area of the Middle East. And, and so this name Mary was given to all these little girls. It was, it was the most common name then, too. And the name Mary literally in Hebrew just means bitter. So it comes from a Hebrew word, root word called Mara, and Mara just means bitter, like a bitter taste or a bitter smell, and it came to be used to talk about a hard or a difficult situation. Some people think that the Jewish families were naming their little girls Mary, bitter, as a way of naming their situation. What was going on? They were waiting, but not just waiting. They were sick of waiting. They were tired of waiting. They were bitter. And so some think that the name Mary just kind of was a way of carrying that through the community, naming it, God, we're still waiting. God, what's the deal? God, we're struggling. God, we're growing bitter. 
But the Mary we hear about today, her story has a peculiar beginning that we need to pay attention to. I'm going to share it with you again. It starts this way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, most think Mary was a young teenage girl, and it wasn't uncommon in that time for someone of that age to be pledged to be married, and that's what Mary was doing, waiting to be married. We're told twice just in that verse that Mary was a virgin, which will be an important note for what's coming next, and that she's pledged to be married to a guy named Joseph. An angel of the Lord shows up to her at her home, we presume, maybe in her bedroom, maybe in the backyard, we don't know, and the angel says, greetings, Mary, you're really, really, really favored by God. And Mary was afraid. So the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, You have found favor with God. You, he's talking to a teenage girl, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. The angel goes on to say that he'll be great, the son of the most high God. He will reign like a king. And Mary says, how, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel says, oh, okay, here's how it'll happen. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come on you in power, and the one born to you will be the Son of God. And then Mary answers, and I don't know, for this week, I've been picturing Mary like this for this answer. There's no evidence of this, but this is how her picture, her picture is saying, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. No tangible presence of God, no evidence of the supernatural, nothing written down, just Mary carrying what God said to her that she would have to carry into the world. Does anybody here believe that the way you look at yourself can change in one moment, in one interaction, that we could move from carrying the names that we've carried for a long time to carrying this new identity that has been given to us miraculously from a word from God. Our story, the story of Jesus, says that things can change, do change, and will change. Life is not static. You're not stuck where you're at. You're not going to be in this season forever. Things do change. So we pay attention to what's happening with Mary. Here's, here's a few things. We first note that the way we look at time can change. I don't know how you're looking at this time in your life. I don't know if you're thinking, this is the season where I can't make ends meet. This is the season where nothing's going right. This is the season of my darkest depression. I don't know what that season is, but, but the story says the way that we look at the time that we're in can change. There's an interesting note to how we're introduced to Mary's time, to the dating of this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So when did Jesus, the announcement of Jesus' birth come to Mary? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was Mary's older cousin, a 60-ish age uh, cousin who also was carrying a miraculous baby, John, who would be John the Baptist. Some of you remember the story of an angel, Gabriel, same one, showing up to Zachariah saying, you will have a son, and then here we are, six months, it's coming. But what's interesting about the announcement of John's birth to Elizabeth and Zachariah, the same time period, we're told that that time was in the time of Herod, king of Judea. 
okay, in the time of Herod, king of Judea. Now, just six months later, we're told Jesus' announcement comes in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Why is that important? I don't know if it is, but I'm going to tell you what I've, what I've been thinking about, is that for a long time, they were saying, what time do we live in? We live in the time of a cruel, vindictive tyrant. We live in the time of a cruel, vindictive tyrant. It's darkness. There's no way out. But now, they are saying, they are dating things by the miraculous work that God is doing in their family. They're putting on par in the time of King Herod Judea and in the sixth month of my older cousin's pregnancy. Why? Because what God is doing in their family is not actually on par, but above in significance of what God could do with any king. So it's a really interesting thing. When we start paying attention to what God is doing, we look at time differently. And for our uh, situation today, we start waiting differently. If you're waiting for something, we start waiting differently. We've called this series The Joy of Every Longing Heart. Longing is a way of waiting. But you hear in longing something different, don't you? It's a yearning. It's a hope-filled looking forward. And so when God comes into our time, we start waiting differently. I remember a particularly hard wait that Rachel and I were in the midst of. God brought us to a verse in Romans. I'd like to share it with you, Romans 12, 12. It says this, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I'm sharing it with you because just somebody in the midst of our wait said, hey, have you heard Romans 12, 12? We're like, I don't know. And there was something about that verse that just grabbed us. We began to claim it, that first part, to be joyful in hope. The opposite of that might be to be miserable in waiting, to feel dread. But this says the people of God can have a different disposition and attitude in waiting. I'm gonna be joyful in hope. Why? Because of the miracles that God has already worked in my family and the ones that I am looking forward to. When we let God set the time, each moment is filled with expectancy. Each moment can be filled with us expecting God to do something. In fact, with God, oftentimes the thing that we think we're waiting for ends up being something different. So think right now about that thing you're really hoping will happen or that you're waiting for. Oftentimes with God, it changes. Did you notice in Mary's story, she's waiting to get married, and then in an instant, she's waiting for a baby. I wonder if there's some people here that are waiting for something that actually the thing God's setting up for you is totally different. Because we begin to base our expectations on the circumstances that are around us. But with God, oftentimes the thing he's leading us to is outside of and bigger than the circumstances. So our waiting is different and we need to be expectant. Mary also shows us that the way we look at ourselves can change. So surely Mary had a big change in the way she looked at herself. Why do I tell the third grade uh, glasses story over and over? Because for me, it was a moment when the way I looked at myself began to change because somebody said something to me. And Mary, we're sure, right? Because of what God said to her, she began to move from being afraid. She said, I'm afraid. She moved from being like in disbelief that God could use her. How will this be? To saying, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. It shows us a change in the way that she views herself. When that happens, we start responding differently, okay? This is really important, our responses. So Mary's responses show us how this changed, right? I'm afraid, how will this be? Then she says, I'm the Lord's servant. So she's responding in a way that shows us how she's thinking about herself. I wonder if you're like me, if you ever have, um, if your responses don't always go the way you hope they would go, right? 
You can, I can even like muster up and be hopeful about it. You know, you know, you can have a crummy day, you're driving home, you're like, but I want to go home and I want to have all the right responses, right? I love these people. I want to be kind. I want to be gentle. And then someone does something or someone says something, and what do you do? You respond in a way that you wish you hadn't responded. Y'all, it's just me. Okay, that's fine. It's good. I'll, I'll just let it, let it work here. I think my response, here's what I think sometimes. I think my responses would change if the people around me would just change, right? My responses are just based on your behavior. Not necessarily you, some of you. Uh, you know, my responses, that, that's because of your behavior. But what this shows us is that actually our responses should be based on how we understand ourselves through the lens of what God would say, of who God would say we are. So I don't respond just based on how other people in the office are acting or how somebody at home is acting, but I try to respond out of who God says that I am. Mary's response, right? At first it was fear and feelings of inadequacy, but then her response is, I'm the Lord's servant. She's saying, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. She's beginning to respond out of who God has said that she is. Mary, this is so cool. With Mary, our old labels are discarded for new lasting legacies. She shows us that our encounter with God means that we can put aside what somebody else said about us and start living into a new legacy. It's amazing. Today, I'm hoping that we don't make Mary uh, just a timid little girl who God did something amazing through. It is that. But I think it's more than that, because Mary really steps up and steps into what God says. She becomes brave and and bold and takes risks, sacrifices everything, and becomes this kind of world-shaking person. She says within moments, all right, Lord, let's do it. We get an indication of what Mary's thinking in a song that she sings, or we call it a song, just a little bit later. She goes and visits Elizabeth, and then this song comes out of her. It's called the Magnificat. Mary's response to God. I want to read to you a little bit of it. Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is the teenage girl. She's in all kinds of trouble with this pregnancy outside of marriage. But she's joyful in hope, yearning and longing. And do you see what her response is in the waiting? To glorify God. She says, I'm in this spot. It's not happening yet. Nobody would even believe that what God has said is happening, but I am glorifying God. She says, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary says that my name, from now on, all generations will call me what? Bitter? No. Blessed. Mary starts responding differently. She's different. Her old labels are discarded. She's not walking around as bitter anymore. She's saying, hey, here's what's going to happen. Generation after generation, they're going to know me as most blessed. I told you that the name Mary is just a really highly revered name. It's one of the most given names. But I did a little research I wanted to share with you just for fun. I looked up uh, right now, what are the most popular girl names around the world? So I wanted to share with you uh, just from different countries. Uh, The most popular girl name in Egypt is Mary. The most popular girl name in Tunisia, Mariam. In Colombia, Mariana. In Paraguay, Maria. In Peru, Maria. In the United States, Mary. In the Arab world, which consists of 22 Arabic-speaking nations located in Western Asia and North Africa, Mariam. In Israel, among Muslim girls, 
marry him. In Israel, among Christian girls, Maria. In Lebanon, Marie. In Belgium, Maria. In Bosnia, Marisha. In Greece, Maria. In Portugal, Maria. In Romania, Maria. I'll move on, okay? Mary. who was given the name bitter to carry through her community, is saying, generations past me will know me as something else. They will know me as most blessed. You see, Mary shows us this isn't just like an internal thing. This isn't, the whole world changes when we begin to take on what God has said and what God has said as truth. The way we look at the world changes with Jesus. I don't know how you're looking at the world right now and the world around you. Well, it should be different if Jesus is in you. In Mary's song, her proclamation, the Magnificat, she says, Jesus is going to change everything. He's going to change the world. Rulers will have to come down from their thrones. The low will be lifted up. The hungry, their bellies will be filled with good things. The rich, they will walk away empty. When we look at the world through the the eyes of Mary in this story, we have to live differently, right? It's not just looking at the world differently. We start living differently. So even if we're here today, like, well, the world hasn't changed. It sounds like it was back then. We start living like it has. We stop lifting ourselves up and start lowering ourselves down. Instead of hoarding up food and hoarding up wealth, we give food away and we give our money away. That's why we do what we do here at Providence around Christmas time, giving away all this food and giving away all this money. It's to announce that Jesus is coming. (laughs) It's to say, oh, we want to tell you about a new king. I don't know which king you're focused on right now, but all of the kings will one day come down from their thrones, and the one that we have to tell you about is the one who will sit the king of kings, right hand of God, exalted. So we're not going to hoard stuff up for ourselves. We're going to pour it out. That's what we do at Christmas. We see that Jesus turns the world upside down. He just turns everything upside down. So yeah, we live differently. How, how do we do that? You might think, how can we do that? Here's how. The Holy Spirit overshadows us. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we, we start um, speaking these empowering, joyful words to the people around us. We start saying stuff that doesn't make sense. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said, God. Um, my name in future generations will be most blessed. And we start passing that down from generation to generation to generation. So I was in Nicaragua last month uh, looking at some of the projects and working on some of the projects, these clean water projects. And one night we came back to our uh, hotel. It was about 9 o'clock. And when we got back to our hotel, we had Wi-Fi, and all the text would come rolling in, right, on my phone. And I had a text from Rachel, my wife. And she said this. She said, uh, she said we had to take Phoebe to the optometrist today, and uh, she is, is going to be getting her first pair of glasses and I was like, oh, boy, you know, all these emotions <laughs> rose back up. I mean, y'all saw me. You know, I, all these uh, emotions <laughs> began rising up in me. And so I said to Mary, I said, all right, uh, send me a picture. And so she sent me this picture of Phoebe. And you know what? I texted back, right? Cool glasses. Because <laughs> Miss Lowe put that in me, and I'm passing it down. She put that in me, that empowering word. I'm passing it down. She's walking into school the next day. I want her to know who she is. 
You see, this little girl right here, right now, is able to live an empowered life, a life where she overcomes every inadequacy, a life where she can overcome every fear, a life where she can step into greatness that can affect generations. That little girl right now gets to step into a kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, because the truth is he's the king. You see, Mary was not a timid girl for us to say, oh, wow. Mary believed what God said about her, which meant that she could believe something different about the age that she lived in. She could believe something different about her very own time. So I don't know how you're dating this time in your life. Is this the season of your darkest depression? Is this the season where the ends don't meet? Is this the season where nothing's going your way? Is this the season of your greatest loss? Well, those things are true. But because of God, we get to live into a new time and a new age where we say, because Jesus is king, that means everything is different for me. And it's not just about us. We become these people who live in an Advent season where we're calling out for the Messiah to come. We're proclaiming there's a day coming when the kings who currently sit on their thrones will be taken down and Jesus will sit in his rightful place where the hungry bellies will be filled with good things. So that's why we're practicing. We're trying to fill up bellies right now with good things. That's why we're giving our wealth away. It's in the song that Mary sang when Jesus came inside of her. So as Jesus comes inside of us, we sing songs like Mary sings. I'm in this season of waiting. I will glorify God. I look up to a throne and the one who sits on it is Jesus. I'm gonna be a part of filling up bellies and giving everything away. (laughs) That's just the story, guys. And we get to be as bold as Mary and say this, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you've said, God. All right, I've carried, I've carried the labels for a long time, but I'm, start, I'm, I'm taking this one on today. I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. Let's pray together. God, thank you for letting us step into this story and the lineage of Mary, this world shaker who believed and has passed down from generation to generation blessing. So God, we want to be bold like her and and step into the future unafraid and be courageous about what you have for us and proclaim it. We come now humbly to a table set with bread and juice. It represents for us the body and blood of Christ, the baby who grew in Mary's womb, who came into the world, walked our streets, lived in flesh, gave his life, and then was resurrected. And so as we take bread and juice today, let it be for us the body and blood of Christ. Let us receive him in this moment. In Jesus' name.